On this week's episode of DLN Extend, we set aside some time and decided to talk about getting our video games on. This week's episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. Welcome to episode 30 of DLN Extend. DLN Extend is a community-powered podcast. We take conversations from the DLN community, from places like the DLN discourse forums, telegram groups, discord servers, and more. We also talk about topics from the other shows around the network and give our takes. Hey, Matt and uh, Wendy. I'm not going to be able to make it for this episode of DLN Extend. See, I'm currently at the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge in northern Alaska on a mission to catch a Pikachu, and this is really important to me. So I've been a little delayed. I'll hope to catch you next week. All right, bye. And with me is one of the amazing co-hosts that I am normally with. Our other one is out traveling and about in this crazy times on the, in the world. With me is Wendy. How are you doing, Wendy? I am doing pretty dang good. So uh, what have you been up to? Well, this last week has been pretty dang crazy. It's time for getting ready for school, trying to finalize curriculum and stuff, finalize stuff for the two different co-op that we are a part of this year. And I talked to you a little bit last week about a used laptop option for somebody else that I know that's also in this homeschool community. Her son's been using a Chromebook and she told him that when he started high school, she'd get him a better laptop. He's finally hit high school and she was doing the searching for stuff. And it's, you know, trying to keep things inside a specific budget. You know, there's a lot of great laptops up there, but it doesn't take long before, holy crap, they're expensive. And I know I talked before about grabbing a pine book for my daughter for school. And you mentioned something about how awesome the Microsoft Circus Pro 2 is, especially it comes to getting Linux installed on it, how light they are, all the things you can do with them. And man, I've really been starting to look at these two. They're right within the same price range. They don't have quite as much storage, um, but instead of dealing with an ARM processor, uh, one of the ones I'm looking at, I think it has an i5 in it. You know, nothing spectacular, but maybe this is the way I go instead of the Pine Book. Just a recommendation. What I will say is avoid any of the Windows arm ones specifically for microsoft like the surface three and the two and if they say just surface ignore those it has to be one of the pro it has to be either the pro or a go those are the ones that has to be because the older ones are arm processors that you can't emphasize or can't install linux on so just be highly disappointing (laughs) <laughs> yes. So severely be aware of that. If you're specifically looking at the second second version, which is the uh, Surface Pro 2s, find a distro with good scaling. That's all I'm going to say. Because you're you're working on a, a full HD screen that's a 10.6 inch screen. So do keep yeah. that in mind. We'd be most likely rolling with Manjaro because that's what's on every other system. And so just to keep consistency, like I said before, I'm, I might let my daughter play with it and see if there's something she 
you like a little bit better that way. I don't see us changing from Manjaro, but at least giving her some options when it comes to desktop environments. She'll most likely settle on Plasma. Out, out of familiarity more than anything else, yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah, out of familiarity. I did production work on the, the Surface Pro 2s for a good year and a half, and they're, they're great little machines. I'm not going to lie. Like, say what you want about Microsoft as a company. Their hardware is freaking fantastic, at least when it comes to the Surface line of stuff. It is good. Again, say what you want about the company as a whole. Uh, Microsoft is beating Apple at a lot of things, and design and new product categories is one of them. Um, the, the Surface lines are very, very good. I, w- I would continuously recommend the Pro line over, say, like the Surface Book line, just because the Surface Book line uses like base stations and a bunch of, it gets a little convoluted on how it uses and some things don't work. Sometimes the, the decade GPU and the base station doesn't work. So you're only using the tablet GPU and that kind of stuff. It, it gets really not pretty. If you're looking for like a decent $200 two-in-one, I would all day go with the Surface Pro uh, two, uh, yeah. two or If you need a little bit bigger screen, the, the specs are basically the same. You can go for the Surface Pro threes, which work just as well in Linux, but the prices creep up a little more. They hit like that Two fifty, three hundred dollar, potentially more range. Your mileage will vary, and the Surface Pro twos are a little bit thicker, a little bit heavier because they're an earlier gen, but they're really, really good machines. I really liked having one. Um, well, and it's easy to find the Pro twos in a bundle with the keyboard and mm-hmm. the power cable, whereas I'm having a harder time finding the Pro threes with everything all set and ready to go. Yeah, and well, see, here's the nice thing: a lot of the Surface Pro one stuff works with the Surface Pro 2s. So like the keyboards and all that stuff, all that stuff is backwards compatible. Now, when you search for certain things, I would recommend searching specifically for Surface Pro 2, but what you'll end up finding is you'll end up finding a lot of the backwards compatible Surface Pro 1 stuff works with the Surface Pro 2s. The key, and the nice thing is everything for Linux works on it. Both cameras work front and back, screen dimming, all that stuff works, volume works, uh, USB port works, the the magnetic touch the touch touchscreen works um well it's a, it's an intrig uh touchscreen basically so it works it's not as good as a, a, a wacom like touchscreen type of deal but it's good there's the the two different keyboards you have like what they call the touch cover which is doesn't actually have like physical keys it's more like typing on the desk kind of i i guess i really don't know how else to really describe it and then you have like type cover both work fantastically The, the keyboard lighting on both work as well so everything works and this like the screen orientation works like when you flip it around and change it for the accelerometer they're just really nice machines and the cool thing is the version i had had the uh the docking station because i got that in a bundle and the docking station everything just worked and this is running an os it is not designed for yeah (laughs) and that to me was like amazing and it required no like no like special kernel tweaks or anything um the battery life they're older processes They're, they're like fourth or fifth gen i5s generically so the battery life isn't amazing, but it's not terrible. You know, four hours, five hours, maybe. Enough for her to get through, you know, basic classes and that kind of stuff. Otherwise, she'll be at home. So as long as it can get through class, then I think we're good. Nice and light. You can throw them in a, throw them in a backpack. The only thing I will say is you might want to look at decals or skins for the back because the back is like a gun, gunmetal, black, gray, titanium kind of color. And it scratches do show up kind of easily. Just a recommendation there. Well, we have a few Destination Linux 
stickers. Oh, and I noticed that the sheet just came out. My daughter would be all over having those stickers on the back of her nice whatever she's using. Plus, there's going to be Sonic stickers on there. You know it. Uh, oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and, and we'll get into the video game thing in a second with that. And speaking of stickers, if you guys want stickers, go to the DLN store and you guys can your stickers of your favorite shows, preferably this one. There's two fantastic shows on the network, this one and Hardware Addict. Oh, <laughs> maybe, yes. maybe I'm a little You might biased. be a little biased, but yeah. <laughs> I, I know I'm biased on this show. So what can I say? <laughs> Matt, so, what have you been up to? I did some collaborative work with Jason Evangelo from Linux for Everyone. Also a great contributor to the Destination Linux Network and his channel on Linux for Everyone. We talked about some video games. Problem I found with a lot of the video game recommendations when it comes to Linux. And if you look, I love ProtonDB.com. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Some of the ratings are a bit questionable now. Before it was pretty self-explanatory. Platinum is basically no configuration whatsoever. Right, yeah. Just just works. Native performance, everything. Pretty self-explanatory. Gold was like, oh, you might need to add a command into like the Steam launcher options or, you know, so, something like that. Very, very minimal. And now we're getting into the point where it's like, oh, you have to use a custom version of Proton. Oh, you have to use all these command options on top of the custom version of Proton. Oh, yeah. you have to use wine tricks. Oh, you have to use proton tricks on top of all the other stuff, but it's still rated gold. I'm like, no, because that's <laughs> not, not what most end users are going to do. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to highlight some games that were five amazing games, but zero hassle to play. It was literally four clicks. Two of them were to enable proton and two of them were click the big blue install button and click the big green play button. Oh, that's wow. it. So the link for that particular video will be down in the in the show notes. And again, the mentality is because we sell Linux gaming as a great thing. And it is. Don't get me wrong. But on the same note, let, let's be real about what people are going to be willing to do. And I love people who are being technically sound and minded to try to solve some of these problems and maybe get them rolled into Proton and that kind of stuff. That, that's not what I'm, I'm criticizing. I'm criticizing our view on what the ranking system is because that is where a lot of the problem I see is, oh, this is rated gold. Oh, well, kind of. This is more like a rated bronze. A game that comes to mind for a long time was uh, there was a couple of different Final Fantasy games that were just like, uh, you had to use uh, Glorious Egg Roll, you had to use certain launch options, then you had to install certain libraries within Proton Tricks. And it was just like, but it was it was sitting at rated gold. And I'm like, that's not quite... No. In that, yeah, it in shouldn't that, be rated gold if you have to do all that work to make it work. That is not minimal configuration. And I, I think what the intent started out for ProtonDB to be that, because that to me is more like a, a silver, uh, a low silver high bronze because it works, but there's a lot of stuff going into it to make it work that most end users yeah. aren't going to do. The platinum and gold rating should be specifically for people who want to just click the big green play button, basically. That was what this video wanted, I wanted to highlight. And there, because there are a ton of games that do do just that. And we'll be doing more of those videos. So you guys can catch Linux for everyone occasionally doing video game recommendations. So that's really been my big project for the week. Awesome. I look forward to seeing that and more of what you and Jason come up with. Oh, do we have things in the works? <laughs> <laughs> we got some big things, we got some small things, and we got some surprises along the way. 
This episode of DLN Extended is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and more. DigitalOcean recently announced new features and services such as a virtual private cloud in all regions, free of charge. This lets you create multiple private networks to isolate your workloads. Container Registries is now available to all users. Easily store and manage private container images and push images seamlessly to DigitalOcean's Kubernetes. You can get all of this plus access to their world-class customer support for as low as $5 per month. Get started on DigitalOcean for free with $100 credit by going to do.co slash dln and you can use that $100 credit for spinning up over a dozen droplets or even some monster-sized droplets for two months. Again, you can get started on DigitalOcean with a $100 credit by going to do.co slash DLN. So speaking of gaming and doing content with people like the amazing Jason Evangelo, who also is part of the Destination Linux Network, Wendy and I decided to take some time and talk about some gaming. Now, this is going to be more modern-ish gaming. So um, for those that are looking for Nate's retro take, with Nate not being here, sorry, that's just not <laughs> not going to happen this week. <laughs> All the fun pixelated stuff that we used to get from Zeb or his hatred of it between Zeb and Ryan, we now get to hear Nate's joy over it. Yes, this is the exact opposite. Absolutely. I really, I, there are a lot of 16-bit games I really need to send him then. <laughs> Well, and I I don't mind pixelated games, so I would have flashbacks. So much fun as Zeb would be like, really? You gave me another one of these horrid pixelated games to review? And for the most part, like I do love games that have beautiful graphics, but I'm not opposed to the pixelated game. Yeah, like the whole, the whole thing with like game art game like uh, like game design it really depends on how it's used yeah and that's really like as an example one of my favorite games on any platform doesn't matter if it's console or you know pc and i mean mac linux you know windows across the board gaming one of my favorite games is one called dex but it's like a it's a 16-bit sprite based cyberpunk open world like it there's so many things that just you say these things and it makes no sense but the art design is 16-bit but what changes the dynamic is the kind of painted on living background on the like the 25 2.5d uh, plane that you're on so it, it's an artistic style choice that works really well because the cutscenes are done like comic book style. So it flows in and out really well. For a game that is probably maybe 10 to 15 hours, I've probably played that game like five times over. And I, <laughs> it is literally probably the best dollar when it goes on sale that you will ever spend. And that's- You don't uh, like I, it that much. So it's it's the story that you just, and you're, you like the story-based games anyway. It's the story, it's the art design. I'm a big, uh, I'm a bit, I'm like a lie. I'm a big cyberpunk fan. So for me, it's got this real realness to the world. And there's a dirty grunginess that like cyberpunk emits as, as a genre. Yeah. And it nails it really well. The And the thing that really establishes the atmosphere even more is the music. So those two things, when you nail the atmosphere, the voice acting is barring one character is actually really good. And the music is really good. It allows me to get invested enough to look past some of the flaws 
and I know their flaws. Like the combat's a little weak, the gunplay's a little wonky, and I'm not gonna lie, the ending's kind of meh as far as like the actual end <laughs> of the game. But but it seems like lately most games that are developed kind of can't nail endings. I think for me that that's where I like about that particular game. But like you, I also like really, really pretty games. So like, I like playing games like Shadow of the Tomb Raider. It's really pretty. Yeah. Also, also helps. It's a good game too. That Valley is one of the ones that I like to play that's got some of those really beautiful graphics and the way the world's designed. It just all kind of flows together and really nice looking. Yeah, that, oh, Valley, Valley is a cool game because it's, do you know, most of these games we're talking about are Linux native. These two we've talked about thus far. Valley is really cool because it's got like that steam punk vibe like set in world like was it world war ii i think this is where the story kind of kicks off in like, yeah your your world war ii-ish world war one-ish i can't remember i know it gives dates it's been gosh it's been so long since i've been able to just sit down and play a game so it was one of the games that i was playing last last time i sat down to play and yeah as you got this kind of old world feel to it at the same time as you're you know you're in your modern time using old but very cool technology in your exploration it's fun it's it's more relaxing than some of the other games you can play that's one thing i've kind of liked about some of the more open world style is you don't have to follow a track you have to figure out what you're doing and where you're going which sometimes can be extremely frustrating even back and forth through the same place five times i know i need to be getting out of here and it's got to be around here somewhere to get out of here i just can't figure out how to get out of here (laughs) yeah i really like that look of it's old technology but still extremely cool technology and all of this nature with it kind of flows together as you're exploring the the world and stuff i know i end up getting to a point that's, I love this open world type atmosphere that that Valley kind of has where you have to look and explore and do those kind of things. And for the most part, it's really relaxing, especially with that you're in the woods and the mountains kind of feel, which is one of my favorite places to be in real life anyway. It doesn't hold your hand on trying to tell you where to go. It wants you to explore. A pro and a con for some people. You get people. a basic direction, right? You know in what direction your objectives are. But other than that, you got to figure out how to get there. Yeah, yeah. There, there's no giant waypoint like most uh, <laughs> marker where go here sign basically planted in it. It's right. here's the general direction. Go that way. And But the cool thing with that entire game is... Um, I love the aesthetic, like like the nature aesthetic is really cool. But one of the things that I really like about that game is the the way that they handle the cycle of life uh, yeah. with it. Because what, what the one of the gameplay mechanics is is you absorb life from say a tree to grow another tree, or a life from an animal to grow a tree, or to re- resurrect a animal, or. That is a really cool back from the dead, right? Yeah, that's how you can continue playing. Yeah, it's it's a really cool concept. Like you said, the aesthetic is really really nice, Uh, and it's that that nature vibe is really relaxing. It does kind of get shattered a little bit once you start getting into the cave. Yeah, <laughs> but that, that's more of a tension builder, and it's intentionally done. But ah, man, that game is really, really beautiful. I'm not gonna lie, um, very artistic. I guess is the right word. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, let's talk about your kids, because they game on Linux. So doesn't your husband? They do. 
Uh, what are some of your games your husband likes to play as an example? Uh, one of the ones he actually plays the most is Farming Simulator 19. And it was one of those that it's made for Windows only. So it plays through Proton. And we got super lucky in the fact we bought it when it was released. And it's been one of those that's played pretty dang good on Proton <laughs> from day one. And they, I mean, he spends quite a bit of time playing that. I think it's about the only way that you can make really good money as a farmer is to do it in virtual reality. He's done um, some of the different shooting up games he likes some of those war games especially that center around world war one world war two those kind of things he, he really enjoys those and will play a little bit of those and some of the trucking right i got him started on the trucking too which i hate watching him truck it is extremely frustrating because he can drive a truck in real life so then he can take those exact same skills and backing up as he does in real life, he's like, oh, well, you turn it just a little bit that way and whatever. And like, he's got it done, no problem. And when I'm playing and he's looking, he's like, well, just go this way. And I said, I tried going that way and I still can't get the stupid thing where it's supposed to go. Which then, of course, he wants to back up the trailer for me because he can do it super quick. No problem. Real life or in the game. And then I just, you know, turn on the developer mode and fly. <laughs> you, do you pull a zap? I, I absolutely do. So I don't have all the caravans on there. And for anybody in the U.S., that means campers. One of those, it's both English, but different terms for the same item. <laughs> so I, I don't do too much crushing of that. But yes, I do turn off the, the speed limits. So I'm not getting in trouble there. I have the mod set for no damage. And then I turn off sleep. Typically on the Euro truck version, I have 50,000 liter gas tank. So I never, almost never have to stop for gas every once in a while I do. And then it costs an absolute ton of money in order to fill up that tank. But I, I don't really ever have to stop. I can go as fast as I want. And it's one of those for me, for me is I don't do it in truck driving simulator fashion. I take all of my built up road rage from just and I live in small town like my big town really isn't that big compared to a lot of people but I still don't enjoy that dealing with people in those situations so I take all that built up road rage and I take it out in truck driving simulator and I pass in the emergency lane and I run cars over and run red lights and it's just a wonderful way for me to be like oh I can't do this in real life but I can dang sure make sure that I get where I want to go and not have to worry about the farm equipment that's taking up both lanes on the back road when I'm already running 20 minutes late. What about your kids? I mean, um, I am curious to see how different people game with Linux, specific because like you, you are a full blown like you know Linux household. So you have yeah, a you, there you, is no Windows system at all in this house, which unfortunately might be changing just a little bit. For the most part, that's all the gaming that my kids know is on a Linux system. And for the most part, every single game that they wanted to play has played just fine. We've run into some issues where it's come to the Sonic games. And there are certain Sonic games like you were bringing up earlier where they are listed as gold, but there's all this other stuff you're supposed to do in the back end. And there's been some of them that even following the instructions on how to get them to work, I haven't been able to get them to work. So there's some frustration on that side in getting those to work. And that's one of the reasons why we ended up getting 
the Xbox One is now there's some of the games that my daughter was wanting to play on the computer, having issues getting to work. They're available for the Xbox One and she can play them there. We're slowly building up that library. I actually got most of the Sonic games we have, well, pretty much all of them through Humble Bundle. So December last year, there was a Sonic game Humble Bundle. And if you haven't checked out Humble Bundle, it's one of my favorite places to buy games because you can get them not only at a great deal, but support some charities of your choice at the same time you're doing it. And that was like this. It was perfect. It was one of the perfect Christmas gifts I could possibly give my daughter was this massive group of Sonic games. So that that's where we got most of them. So I don't feel as bad about some of them that I've purchased not working because of where I bought them through. They play, oh, I can't remember what it's called. I know we've talked about it before, but the robot fighting one, that's one of their, their favorite games to play. Overdrive, Overdrive. Yep. Overdrive. Uh, they love that one. And then there was some indie games on sale this summer. And so I've, I got some of them for like super cheap. And there's one where you're a fish and you have to eat things and grow bigger and not get eaten. Really not that complicated of a game. The graphics are all hand-drawn. They're they're nothing spectacular, but the kids absolutely love that game. It's one of the games that if they've earned their game time, it's one of the ones that they love to play. And I think I got it for like a buck 50. So I'm going to be a little bit of an enabler here. Shock, surprise. Be more more shock and surprise if I wasn't. Fanatical.com and IndieGala.com. They do bundles as well. And usually for Linux games or Proton Enable. So you can get five, six, seven, eight, ten games sometimes for really cheap. So yeah, not that I'm being an enabler. Not an enabler. You're absolutely an enabler. But one reason why we may not be a strict uh, Linux household anymore is one of the courses my daughter wanted to take this year is Minecraft. So it takes some of the STEM uh, science, math, technology, uh, engineering, and takes that course and it does it through Minecraft. And you have to have the Minecraft education edition for this class. I haven't sat down because we haven't got our license yet for that version of Minecraft. So they've been running it through Multi-MC. So that is an application that lets you run not only Minecraft, but different versions of Minecraft on your Linux system. It is an absolutely amazing application. And it's one of my favorite ones I've found for Minecraft because the kids can start different versions of it. They can be like, well, I want this mod. And you throw it in this version of Minecraft. And you have these different instances that you can just launch at any time. That part is absolutely fantastic. I think they have a Windows version, but you can get it in a lot of cases directly from the repo on your Linux distribution. Super awesome. I don't know if they have a version on there for the education edition of Minecraft. So I do need to check that. And if they don't, if I can't get it to install and work properly on Linux, I'm either going to have to install dual boot and have a Windows partition or set up a Windows virtual machine to run Minecraft. We'll we'll kind of see how that goes and I'll kind of keep you up to date as we move forward through that. But we may not be strictly Linux. Not by choice. (laughs) Almost not by choice. She chose to take this class, but (laughs) not by my choice. Yeah, not by your choice. Yeah, because that that's probably specifically relying on a lot of the Microsoft stuff. Um, I don't think 
because I'm not sure if the Java version is still up to like the Java launcher and stuff is still up to date. So that, that could totally be different than what, uh, like I have been so out of Minecraft loop. It's not even funny. Uh, for somebody the who's- The only in, reason why I know anything about Minecraft is because my kids like Minecraft. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. But I mean, for so, for someone like me who's so into gaming, I'm so out of that Minecraft loop. It's not even funny. <laughs> well, it's definitely um, different. It's, it's a very interesting community in and of its own right. And then because of the way, you know, the launcher set up and then there's different versions of Minecraft. So it takes its own setup. And I, I will I will say this about the Minecraft community. They are some imaginative, creative people with what you can do in that game. Well, and it is crazy to see some of the things that they come up with. So, well, they'll play, the kids will play locally together, like from their tablets and stuff. And they'll all join somebody's world and they're all playing together and they're doing these build-offs and all kinds of crazy stuff. And it's one of the few times that all four of my children, for the most part, get along with each other. The youngest likes to go through and like put a whole bunch of mobs, you know, bad things that will kill you in somebody's house. Like he's a little vindictive that way or or tear apart somebody's house so you got to watch out for the youngest when he's playing in your world but otherwise the other three that's one of the times where they get along the best is when they're building these different things and the stuff that they create and that they come with up with in that way that's one reason why i do really love that game and love that they like to play it is it brings out that creativity and all that creativity can be done on linux currently yeah, yeah awesome. absolutely. We'll have to and, include a link for um multi MC because it like I said, it is so cool and it makes setup, especially if some of the different changes and stuff that you can do really easy. Just you know, click install type stuff. They've done an amazing job with it. Open source project. But uh no, like I always enjoy hearing how others game because like, you know, I, I've been in and out of the the games media end of the industry for uh, I'm gonna really date myself almost a decade now. So I have a interesting perspective on on that side of the industry and as a like a consumer of games. So I always find just like me taking myself out of the equation. I want to see how other people game, like what they look for in, you know, video games. So for you, what is it like you specifically? Uh, obviously, I can't ask you to speak for your kids or your husband. Um, but what is it you specifically look for when you want to play a game? What is it that draws you to a game to, to like want to play? For the most part, it seems to be the more laid back, calm type games. I do like a few of the puzzle style games. But the, the rest of my life is so hectic between, you know, stuff that I've got going on uh, work-wise, stuff that I've got going on with the kids and school and, you know, all of that. When I sit down for just me time, I typically want a game that's kind of relaxing where I can just unwind. Video games, you call it an escapism, but for really for that's that's what all entertainment is really is is yeah. an escapism in some way shape or form uh video games are just an interactive version of escapism <laughs> um yeah like for me it's it's weird because as someone who's been in the industry and out of it and in, you know in various iterations and stuff over the, over the years i've obviously found like what kind of games i prefer and like what i gravitate to because 
I've tried so many different ones. You know, people people poke fun at the fact that I have almost like a thousand games that are on <laughs> on PC, be it Windows, Mac, Linux, across the board. That's not counting like all the console stuff that I own. Oh my the goodness. whole uh, PS4, Wii U, Switch, PS3, Vita, uh, Dreamcast, Genesis. So I have games up the wazoo to play. The games I gravitate towards are the ones that are like almost like a good book to me. So it's Japanese role playing. games games are ones that I really like because they're unique they're a unique storytelling mechanism and they got more of a whimsical feel to them they're they're not they're not the the typical like skyrim high fantasy kind of like they might be high fantasy designed but the way they do high fantasy is not similar to what you would get in a typical like skyrim or a oblivion or like an elder scrolls kind of game where it's very atypical and that to me is really what I gravitate to because I like a, a good in-depth story uh, but I, on the same note, I also like games like uh, like Life is Strange, which is it's a very story focused, but very little gameplay, and, and that to me is just one of those games that I like. That that's really cool. I I wish I could get into some of the story games myself, but most of the time I'm just like, okay, I'm I'm totally over it. Let's get back to the game. Though my daughter really talks about the cutscenes, and she enjoys them on the games she plays. So I think she's more like you in that. She enjoys the story that goes along with the game, that whole interactive aspect of it. That's the thing I love about like video games as a medium. It's so wide and varied. So so different from most like most movies and music, like other forms of that kind of stuff is really like genre based. It's, it's really you don't find many stuff that really do, like cross pollinates genres and stuff here and there. But overall, it's pretty pretty formulaic as far as how it comes across this fits nicely into this little genre this fits nicely into this little genre this fits that you get into gaming there's not quite it's not quite as clear and concise sometimes and that's the thing i love about it like i was talking about decks most people would look at it and go oh it's a it's a like a what they would call a metroidvania game so it's like a 2d plat 2d 2.5d like platformer that's one aspect of the game but it's also a hub world it's open world it's an action rpg <laughs> um but it's a cyberpunk game too that that's one of those games that kind of fi- defies a genre and yeah y- you find that kind of creativity in the gaming industry and the like, games medium as a whole but i i really love and the fact that things like proton exist now and i was a Linux gamer before um, Proton. So, you know, native games from like 2012 and that kind of stuff. Awesome. Great. I love them. Still play them. Uh, Crusader Kings 2 is one of my favorite games. Time sank to no end. But on the same note, I, I love the fact that Proton can now help expand that 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 reach of games that are accessible to not just Linux gamers, but everybody. And that that's really the cool thing about it. And I appreciate the work that Code Weavers and Valve have put into Proton to make it work and what the community has contributed to make it work. Things like Glorious Egg Girl and all the other stuff. While I might poo-poo on some of the, the ratings on ProtonDB, it doesn't diminish the work. And that for me is key. Um, and I love being able to play a lot of these games that I probably two years ago would not have been able to play at all on Linux. Yeah, absolutely. It, it- really opens up the world and games that you have access to. And even though ratings now are a little wonky, it's still one of the first places I check for, you know, there's this game that looks good, 
I see it's a Windows only. Well, I'm going to go check to see what the rating is and read through some of the the play reviews before purchasing it. Yeah, definitely. So like sometimes what I would do is like I'll see a gold rating. I'll actually read a lot of the reports to see if it's actually gold now. Like before I'd be like, I I could just kind of quick glance it. Now I can't really do that. Which is okay. I think it is a great tool to have. One of the, one of the best tools that I love from ProtonDB, though, that I love, is linking your Steam account. They have the ability where you can actually link your Steam account, and then you can actually organize your entire library by rating. And that is amazing yeah. when when you are someone like me who has like seven hundred games on my Steam account. And I usually anymore. I mean, we've we've got quite a few, and mainly because I bought them through like Humble Bundle and that kind of thing. So you get a lot of games at once. One of my favorite features is games that are ready to play. So you're only seeing games that are downloaded and, and ready to go instead of sorting through all of the stuff that you don't have downloaded yet. There are some amazing features that I love with uh, with ProtonDB and the stuff that you can do with it. Like the organization by rating. I was like, huh, I've never played that game. Huh, might as well try it. <laughs> uh, you know, Absolutely. well, when you have... Let's be real. When you have 700 flavors of ice cream to choose from, you're probably not going to try them all. <laughs> <laughs> I know that there's a ton of games that we have that I I haven't played yet at all. And there's some that I've played just a little bit. I, I need more time to game. Dang it. I just need more time to play. So while this might come across as kind of like a mixed uh, view on like, we're more, we're more talking gaming as a overall, not just specifically Linux, but also Linux and what we, some of the stuff that we'd like to see fixed and the community that we use as resources, but also some of the things that we do love. ProtonDB is a great tool. Honestly, if they can get some of the, the rating stuff fixed, I would love to see Valve incorporate via like add-on or something, the ProtonDB ratings when you're using a non-Windows system. So like if you you are on a Linux system and you go to a a Windows-only game, but it gives a rating within the Steam store page of what that is on ProtonDB. That would be super awesome. At a glance, purchasing ability, like that, that to me would be really cool. This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by Bitwarden, the easiest, safest way for individuals, teams, businesses, and organizations to store their passwords and other vital, sensitive information. It is not only open source, but has also had third-party auditing on the source code. This is why I've chosen Bitwarden for my password manager. It's easy to get started. Just go to bitwarden.com DLN. The big question is, why do I need a password manager? And that's a good one. Why do you? Well, I'll tell you. Using password123 on all your accounts is just not a good security practice. Also, having the same password for everything is a terrible idea. Remembering all the variations is nearly impossible unless you have some kind of a super memory. And a super memory is something I do not have. And storing passwords on sticky notes or in a spiral bound notebook is not only inconvenient, it also is a bit lacking in security efficacy. Therefore, I have chosen Bitwarden. This is a password book that I can take with me anywhere. I can have it on different computers, different browsers, on my mobile. Not only is it a safe place for passwords, but also identity and financial account information as well. This feature got me out of a pretty serious jam recently when I had an issue with some safety controls on one of my accounts. I needed to use another card to pay for the rest of the service. Since I didn't take that card with me anywhere, I didn't have it on me, but I did store the information on Bitwarden. I remembered I did this, so I pulled up that account information, paid for the service, and ultimately prevented what could have been a serious life interruption. You can get started with Bitwarden by going to bitwarden.com DLN. It's free to use, but if you want to level up and go for the premium features for only $10 a year, 
Not only will you support a great open source project, but also you will unlock premium password security and management features. Bitwarden has saved my bacon numerous times. Now, you wouldn't be able to pry it out of my cold, dead device. We'd like to thank Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend. So you guys got a taste of the flavors of games that we like to play. But here's another thing. There's also games that have just come out that I have not mentioned that I have played. I like this game so much that I backed it twice on Kickstarter. This game is called Sense, uh, a cyberpunk ghost story. This is a 2.5D horror game set in a cyberpunk world. Very unique. And this is why I love gaming because <laughs> so many things would not be like this. Um, it just came out. I believe it's 20 bucks on Steam. Well worth the price. I'm totally excited for it. Uh, character art might be a little risque. The topics are a little risque, so it's definitely an emerated title. I will say that. <laughs> the nice thing with this is, and the thing that I liked about these guys, this developer specifically, the reason I backed this game was because they originally announced it as a Vita title. Now, I'm a PS Vita owner. The, what they did is they held back the game editor, which was Unity, to the very last version that Unity supported the Vita. But also, I had talked to this developer about a year ago, and I kind of poked at you know a Linux build, just joking around, because I'm like, yeah, there's no way. Lo and behold, I, I look at their, their Steam listing two days ago, and the, the, hey, look, there's a Linux build. So you can be sure skippy that I, uh, <laughs> I poked them about <laughs> testing that build. <laughs> Well, absolutely. Um, the link for this game will be down in the, the show notes. Uh, again, not a game I would give the kids, but if you want an adult like horror story type game, this is a really cool game. Very awesome. You are continuing your tradition of making sure everybody games. Well, I have to enable everybody to game. <laughs> Just saying. So what about you though, Wendy? Well, after we talked last week, you mentioned Light Zone. And Light Zone is it's a photo editing tool that I had never heard of before. You mentioned that it used to be proprietary. It's been open source. And I got it downloaded, of course, you know, like everything is in the AUR. <laughs> so I've been I've been playing with a little bit. I haven't dived into it too much and we're going to be covering so much more on the photography software side next week. So if you're interested in that topic, make sure you tune in next week. But overall, first impressions are like I'm I'm so used to the way dark table and light table works that it was kind of a a way I needed to take a step back. As you're switching through some of the different modules, it'll automatically turn some things on and then you have to go, wait, wait a minute, I didn't actually make that change. What, what's going on and have to go through and turn different modules off that were automatically turned on when you switched to a different tab. So that, that part's been a little interesting to figure out. And where they have stuff laid out, there is kind of an overall older feel to it. The general UI style has got a lot more of the, the, the sharper edges and that inside the buttons and the layout. So if you when you just open it up, you might think this is something that hasn't gotten any tension for quite a while. But as you said, it just recently had an update. So it's still being worked on, just maybe not as actively as Raw Table and Dark Therapy. Oh my goodness, I did it again. 
I totally did it again and swapped it around. Dark table and raw therapy. There we go. <laughs> See, I still want the combination of the two. I do it without even meaning to. I put them together. Um, that is fantastic. But in just going over the basics of it, somebody who wants a lighter photo editor, they, they're just getting started. They don't want to do or or deal with, try to learn at first all of the, the things that Darktable especially can do. I'll play with it some more, but it might be one of those great intro to editing images on Linux. Definitely has a really good range of tools to use for somebody who wants to do, you know, just some quick editing and kind of play with some stuff. So I'll yeah. take a look at it a little bit more this week and then we'll really dive into it next week. Yeah, because uh, for those that are wondering, next episode we're going to be talking Linux photography, specifically software. Uh, Wendy covers that, uh, all the hardware stuff on Hardware Addicts, which you should all be listening to if you want to get into Linux photography. We'd like to continue this discussion with you on Telegram, Discourse, Mumble, or Discord. You can visit the DLN website for more information on how to connect to the social channels and also on shows and creators by going to destinationlinux.network. You can find Nate at cubiclenate.com links to his written blatherings and podcasts and his YouTube channel. You can follow my random ramblings on Twitter at Matt DLN. You can check out what I'm doing on Instagram at Linux and Lyft. And as always, we thank you for joining us and we'll be back next week for another episode of DLN Extend. And until then, have a great week, everyone.